0: Welcome back to Ben and Matt's marvellous journey. This is an MCU podcast and this is episode 38. It is Thor, Love and Thunder. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined, as always, by Ben Phillips. Ben, are you hyped to ride the goat-driven Bifrost tour boat thing? No. <laughs> I I mean, th-
1: this <laughs> This movie feels like a turning point.
0: Yeah, it, this this was a real... You know, there had been some little comments about like oh I don't know if they've got it the same way coming out the back of Endgame and like you know Moon Knight was obviously a huge bummer for us uh Falcon Winter Soldier was awful and then this hit and it was like oh my god <laughs> like I think we found new lows and you know when we recently did our crossover rankings with uh, Superior Pantheon I put this dead last I guess I still agree I so I should preface with like I watched it once last summer and then I watched it for the second time last night, and I guess it's because I already knew it was terrible. It didn't, like, viscerally offend me on a rewatch, because I think I just knew it's bad, so I just let it happen. It's still real fucking bad, but, like, on first watch I was like, oh my god, this is so bad. <laughs> Whereas this second time I'm like, none of this is very good at all. <laughs> and then there were particular bits that were obviously fucking awful, but... Yeah, I mean, I'd still put it, if not at the very bottom, very close to it. It's third from the bottom for
1: me. Mm. Hulk is just above it. And then you've got, like, I dislike Black Widow more than <laughs> I dislike this movie. But like, they, these but are I both... could get
0: behind that first, like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes of Black Widow. At best, I can be like, this bit isn't that bad in this movie. <laughs> similarly with Incredible Hulk for me. Like, I mean, I'm not quite crazy man on the hill that Mike Thomas is saying oh, these first ten minutes of Incredible Hulk make it an actually good movie better than all of the MCU, like, that's crazy talk. But, yeah, I mean, there are stretches. That's the thing for me, If, if there's, like, a segment that I can, like, be like, okay, that was enjoyable. That's going to elevate it for me. I don't have that with this. I don't think there really is a, a stretch where I'm like, okay, maybe the first 20 minutes, but at best it's, like, more indifferent than, like, actually enjoying it. it. I
1: kind of had a similar reaction watching this that I did watching Rise of Skywalker, where <laughs> I was like, I, I the movie started... Mm. And then there was just something in the way that the first like five, ten minutes were constructed. And I was was like, it that yes.
0: they say somehow Palpatine has returned in like the longest running, like epic <coughs> sci fi plotty thing in existence? The Dead Speak, obviously. The Dead Speak. Somehow Palpatine <laughs> has returned. Don't I'm worry ready? about how.
1: Just in the, the editing of the first sequence where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's Kylo Ren on this like red planet, like murdering yeah. people, and it felt like the frame rate had been sped up. <laughs> and I had this kind of moment where I was like, Oh, this movie is like not slowing down and it's kind of this thing where it's like it feels like there's something they're trying to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And it's in the Fall of Thunder, it's like you start with the you start like with the, Gore's little prologue. Start with Gore's prologue, which is actually all right. It's fine, um, it's fine. Yeah, like, it's kind of like a straight one-to-one adaptation of the comics. So like uh, to a point. <laughs> like it's, it's obviously like I mean the alien that he finds isn't venom. No. Spoilers Null. for <laughs> or... spoilers for like what happens there. Well it's
0: eventually. not even Null that he finds, is it? Or is it
1: Yeah it is. Think, yeah, Null he Null has Null, fought, Null so that... has fought a god, killed the god, and then he finds the corpses of the two of them, takes the necro sword and becomes yeah, born. And all which...
0: symbiotes come from Null and it's a whole very and it like explains the whole like constantly generating swords and like clothing and whatever he needs thing which they gave to Hela in Ragnarok so it's now just sort of a medieval looking sword that has shadow powers and it's like okay I mean that's not the worst way to get around a corner you wrote yourself into
1: <laughs> God imagine if they try and make Null into a villain I in would the really rather they
0: didn't <laughs> I, I think all of that stuff is like hot trash, personally. <laughs> well, yeah, because
1: it's stapling onto an actually good run. I mean, it's the <laughs> yeah. um, the Donny Cates special of, like, mm. really liking another run, and then stapling on his own idea onto the top of a run that has <laughs> already done a lot of legwork for him. Yeah. Like, I like some Donny Cates comics, but it is really his, like, his yeah. forte is <laughs> extending another person's really good run from the last couple of years. Yeah,
0: his Thor run is, like, it is kind of just, like, an impression of Aaron, and, like, I don't know, Thor's gonna be king now, and... He's got a rune on his chest and, I don't know, I guess Odin and Frigga are going to get divorced yet again. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I read all of Thor, Jason Aaron, through Mighty Jane and and everything. And, like, the number of times that Odin and uh, Freya (laughs) break up in those runs, and then realise they love each other again. It's like, this is ridiculous. This has happened three times <laughs> across, like, five years. Um, I assume
1: that's, like, editorial mandate, where it's like, we've got to keep true to the comics, and they're like, yeah, but there's dramatic tension if they, if they yeah, break up. And,
0: it's, it's everything like that, though, isn't it? It's like, they can never change anything radically, because inevitably what will come is, this is the back-to-basics, blah-blah-blah book. So all the characters you know are back, and together, and alive, and
1: Anyway. Yeah, but it was it was that feeling like once the Gore prologue has ended. That's the Guardian segment. It's the Guardian <laughs> segment, but it's like it's the narration and then the music. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, this feels like you're trying to recapture whatever happened in Thor Ragnarok. Like you're you're <laughs> attempting to do that again and in such a way and it feels like a bad Parody of the first one because yeah. I mean, the, the way we described it last night is like this movie takes the pathos and and empathy at the core of Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. and then it takes the comedy and then it drives both in the opposite direction and kind of breaks this very tense yeah. or tenuous wire that they had between the two of them.
0: Because yeah. that's the thing for me is that like yes, Ragnarok had some very silly stuff and it had some for me quite touching little moments and, and words of wisdom and, and nice sentiment. So for me to be like oh, Thor Love and Thunder is trying to do... It, it's failing to do the serious and the comedy. It sounds hypocritical, but yeah, that's what you said. Is like It's even more serious because we're dealing with a fucking cancer plot and, like, the death of children and, and, and all of this stuff. And it's even sillier because Taika's just, like, tripled down on his sense of humour. And it just, yeah, they are just in too much tension this time around. And that's the thing to say up front is that, like, Thor was going from weakness to weakness almost like i love him in i like thor 1 and i i love him in avengers 1 but like thor 2 pretty 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 bad his role in ultron is like compromised with the whole fucking cave nonsense and all of that shit and then ragnarok comes along and boom this is how it should have been all along like taika should have gotten a trilogy (laughs) all this stuff and like you know one of my favorite movies in the mcu ragnarok so for them to be like yep Running it back. Sequel from Taika. He's writing it again. He's got Jennifer Caton Robinson co-writing with him. But yeah, like, so, yeah. Um, and they're gonna do Mighty Jane and they're gonna do Gore. And it's like, okay, this all sounds cool. And then for it to come out and just be like from the same creative team to run it back and get such a worse result. It smacks of he had one idea. <laughs> I don't even think it's that he had one idea. I think it's, it's kind of a, he is a bad fit
1: for this material. I think, in general, like, I think, well, like, he is, he is not my first choice, or, like, in, in retrospect, he is not the person I would have chosen for a Gore and Jane movie. Maybe well, yeah. he could
0: have done one of those in one movie better. That's the other thing, is that, like... So, for me, it, it's kind of three things. It is that it's, what you said, it's, like, a pale imitation around... Like, it's copying so many elements or doing a riff on them and they're all just that little bit worse. It's that this is two stories that should have each had their own you know, room to, to breathe and everything. And then, to me, it just smacks of, like, this dude is really fucking busy, and he seems almost indifferent this time, and it's just kind of all the worst elements of the MCU broiling together into this horrible mishmash. This is what really, really kicked off the, like, hey, Marvel films look like shit discussion. <laughs> like, Like, Axel's floating head that they patched for home theatres, and... You know that scene where he teleports out of the garden, and just how often they're just yeah, walking through scenes that they're clearly not in, and
1: there are there are things in earlier movies that people are pointing out, like there's the the Florence Pew. Pugh green screen shot from the end of black widow yeah. and and like again it, it's kind of isolated scenes from these individual movies but yeah. yeah i do agree that i think Fall love and thunder is kind of the start of like oh they're shooting none of this in like real locations yeah. for a long stretch of the movie and it's especially heightened when you are doing this kind of like science fiction big yeah. big expansive universe and stuff like that and it feels like it's coming to a head
0: and you had like Taika... yeah Okay, yeah, which came out, like, days ago when we yeah. record this. You yes, have we have seen, not seen. I'm a, no, no, I have oh. not seen. I will see tonight. Okay, I'm going to see soon. But, you know, none of this has helped by, like, you know, you have Taika in the run-up to it, or, or as part of the pre-release campaign, you know, they do all the shows they normally do. They do the, like, fucking Google, here's what people are Googling about you, and answer these questions about your castmates. And they do the fucking, let's break down a scene, and he and Tessa Thompson are just openly mocking what it looks like. And it's just, just that level of indifferent. It, it feels like he's like, eh, and it feels like the blooms come off the rose with him, despite, like, re- I hear Reservation Dogs is, like, actually really good, and, like, I don't know the degree to which he is actually creatively still involved in what we do in the Shadows, and um, Our Flag Means Death, and stuff like that, but, yeah. He's just... a
1: series regular on Our Flag Means Death, so I think that's the one that he's around. Yeah. The most of... I mean, yeah, it's just like... You look at what he's done Mm. since he did Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. And it has been... He won an Oscar for Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. He directed Next Goal Wins twice, I think, because they had to go back and remove (laughs) Army Hammer from that movie. He co-creator on What We Do in the Shadows. He's co-creator on Our Flag Means Death, and I think he's an obviously an executive producer and writer on uh, Reservation Dogs. Oh, no, so he's not a creator on Our Flag Means Death, but obviously he's a series record on that show. Yeah. He's the villain in Free Guy, he's a voice in Lightyear, he's in the electrical life of Louis, of, of Louis Wayne, apparently, well, he was supposed to have a bigger role in The Suicide Squad playing Javelin, and then comes back and plays Ratcatcher 1, because he was so busy, right. and, like, he is... Was he, he in a Star Wars somewhere? He is supposed to be directing a Star Wars movie right now, I believe. Yeah, but isn't that he is, in one of them somewhere. Uh, Isn't he like a voice or a character? Not, or... not that I'm aware of. Did he of do
0: something for Mandalorian? Oh that? yes,
1: he, sorry, yes, he was a robot in The Mandalorian Season okay. 1 and directed an episode of Mandalorian Season yeah. 1, so he did do that. And then there's the never-ending
0: um, rumors he's gonna do Akira and like...
1: Yes, and he's also apparently, he's just last year done a Time Bandits TV show <laughs> okay uh, for, for Apple.
0: And like, uh, I don't know, I still am in general down with his vibe and like, you know, I still I watch two of those three shows and they're good. And, you know, the degree to which he's potentially been overcredited for some of them because he's the most famous person on the creative team. That is certainly a thing. But like I like JoJo Rabbit. I liked his his stuff from before all of what we just said. Like but this is just so like I feel about this how I feel certain people felt about him all along, where it's just like this is just excessively annoying. <laughs> like I think Korg is, like, when I talk about how, like, they've replicated so many elements and they're worse, like, Korg is, like, out of, like, they've ballooned up the size of the character and all of his jokes are shit.
1: I think there is a very real case of, like, the amount of things in the last year where I've kind of been, oh... Taika was the worst thing in that movie. He's the worst <laughs> thing in Free Guy. He's the worst thing in Lightyear. He's the worst thing about Thor, Love and Thunder. I haven't seen Flag Means death, but obviously I know people really loved his performance in that one, especially yeah, like yeah. his chemistry with Rhys Darby. Yeah, that's
0: good. Um, but I mean, that's him hanging out with his friends, you know? Like... Yeah.
1: But it is one of those things where, like, that is not good when, like, I'm able to single mm-hmm. out an actor who doesn't even have creative control in Lightyear, but his character in Lightyear feels so much like a Tiger character, and it's like, ah, oh, this is... The Disney relationship. Yeah, and it's... Next Goal Wins is coming out apparently this year at some point, and I'm like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is this movie gonna look like?
0: Well, before we run too far away, I suppose we should visit Comic Corner. A very obvious inspiration here. So why don't you talk to us about to me, inarguably, the best run of Thor that exists.
1: I'm not gonna say it's the best run on Thor just because Walter Simonson's run exists and it's kind of like a one A, one B yeah, kind I mean, of like situation he where was like just both- a
0: factory of concepts that have stuck
1: (laughs) yes and uh, it looks great and he kind of like created what the modern day thor is riffing on i know it's not technically a thor run but uh, i'm obviously a sucker for kieran gillen's journey into mystery run oh yeah which which is probably like the run i would recommend for people if you don't like the thor stuff but you like the north uh, Norse mythology stuff in in the Thor universe. But Jason Aaron gets signed on to Thor in 2012 as part of the Marvel Now reboot, where basically they just kind of, like, shuffle all the writers around. So... Matt Fraction has just finished up a kind of like nothing run on the book. So much of a nothing run that he literally says to Kieran Gillen, Hey, do you want to borrow the main Thor book to finish your journey into Mystery Run? Because you've obviously got more <laughs> ideas than I do, uh, which is just very funny. Where like they're co credited on the end of it, but it's the entire last arc of that is pulling from the stuff that's in Kieran Gillen's book. And then Fraction uh,
0: goes over and does Hawkeye, which is, you know, rave. You know, we talked about it in Hawkeye. Um, rave reviews, yeah. definitive, blah, blah,
1: blah. Yeah, and then he gets he gets fantastic four as well where the, the side book on that one is also the one that kind of like pops a lot more, because that's the one where the Fantastic Four have gone into space, and so the team of Medusa, Ant-Man, and Miss Thing, and I forget who the... It's the She-Hulk. Four. Yes, it is She-Hulk. Yeah, it's a That's a fun one. Yeah. Which is obviously like a more goofy spin-off book, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Jason Aaron's Thor run. And Jason Aaron comes in, and basically this is kind of like the his next... Kind of five years at Marvel are all in the in the North North universe, aren't they? Yeah. And his first concept is a character called Gord the God Butcher, who, as we said earlier, finds a necrosword on the corpse of a god, and because his planet has been slowly dying, decides to go on a vendetta across the entire universe to slaughter all gods, essentially. Yeah. And from that we get just a really epic tale told across three different eras of the Marvel universe, with Esad Ribic doing the artwork on it, who is one of Marvel's Best comic book artist, like he charges
0: like, like five grand for commissions, and he earns every penny of it. <laughs>
1: yes, he's the guy who does Secret Wars, and, and he's the person who designed like Gore and all the rest of it. And he, yeah. it, it generally looks fantastic. But you've got Young Thor learning how to be a god. You've got the current hero Thor, and then you're in the far future with King Thor, who is yeah. presiding over kind of a ruined universe in the last days of it, with his granddaughters around him.
0: Yeah, he's, he's uh, not far off the last person alive. One eye, one arm, a sword. Mjolnir huge white beard sitting on a throne and every day gore's little minions storm asgard and every day he almost dies and then they just do it all again the next day and he just does that forever and it's like whoa (laughs) yes and so basically
1: this is the kind of like the start of this run is thor versus gore and it culminates with thor and thor managing to defeat gore for now but having his confidence incredibly kind of racked by the idea that maybe Gore was correct mm-hmm. in terms of his view of like God's being useless and God's being kind of malicious, vindictive, yeah. awful beings, which is then confirmed to him by. And we'll we'll skip over <laughs> we this. Can't. Very we can't. We simply
0: can't. Somebody tells him definitively that.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We have to. Nick Fury. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Fury tells him. White Nick Fury by, on White the moon. Fury, who is the, who's got the powers of Jeffrey Wright? the watcher (laughs) tells him that definitively gore was right and basically from there thor becomes unworthy and no longer is able to wield mjolnir he still has all his like thunder powers and whatnot it's just he cannot wield mjolnir he builds himself an arm he gets a cool cool axe and it's a really fun period of synergy in marvel where i think this is kind of peak both of us reading yeah This stuff because like Uncanny Avengers happening at the same time, and in that Thor's got the axe as well, which is what they're riffing on in Infinity War and Endgame, Mm -hmm. and this movie obviously. And from there, they then spin off into a new book with a new female Thor as the as the lead character essentially, and. And it's like a it's mini like, at
0: first. It's, all it's like
1: eight it. like issues where they kind of like don't tell you who it is, and like Thor's been dating an agent of Shield for a few issues, and you're kind of like teased like Is it? Is it this character? Is it Freya? Is it Sif? Is it like who is this yeah. new new Thor that's kind of like shown up? And eventually they they reveal it as Jane Foster who has been battling cancer in the background. Yeah,
0: because they eliminate her as a suspect immediately because he goes to visit her and she's like dying of leukemia. <laughs> it's like oh, it's obviously not Jane, and then. It obviously is Jane. And every time she picks up Mjolnir, she is the big hulking Adonis. And every time she puts it back down again, she... And it wipes out her chemo every time she does it.
1: Which is an important distinction. Yes. I
0: feel like it's the main... (laughs) So it's the main issue and
1: difference between this book and the movie. Mm -hmm. Where in the movie, you first find Jane, who is a lot more glib than she used to be. And I understand humour in sight of, like, death. Is, is a very cool thing, but it yes. does feel... I don't know if it's Portman not being able to deliver the Watiti dialogue, or if, or if just the entire movie's tone is just slightly off, but it does feel weird, and you get kind of like, uh, Darcy comes back, and, and Stellan Skarsgård's there, or like a video screen, but Stellan Skarsgård's very important role is to say, chemo isn't working.
0: <laughs>
1: Whereas in the comic book, it feels like the chemo is working. The issue is is that she, she keeps, keeps on... She resetting it, yeah. yeah. So, it turns this movie into being well, she's inevitably going to die, so yeah, why shouldn't it, she die on the battlefield? Two, you need to stop
0: doing this because you will live if you stop doing it. Yeah, it it, it it feels like it's just slowing it. because I mean, you see her, she walks into the bathroom and like starts feeling the effects, and then she's able to like gut it out a little bit, whereas like she is fully 100% better when she's Thor in the comic, but she has to... I mean, arguably does she have to keep putting the hammer down, but... She has become, like, addicted to the feeling of being Thor. And she, you know, she's like, just one more time, just one more time. And it gives it this... I love, like, a a ticking clock, you know, something to give it, like, ongoing narrative weight of, like, you only have so many uses of this thing, you only have so much time, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but it, it takes it from this being a choice that she has to make and giving her agency and turns it into... Just she will die either way. Like either she goes on this mission and dies on this suicide mission to go fight Gore, or she will die of cancer. And like, yes, there is a line where they say, like, oh, it wipes out your human strength, and there's more experimental procedures that we can do. And it's like, sure, but we all understand what that means <laughs> when you have cancer. It's a very low percentage chance, especially when you're at stage four and whatnot. And I think it it takes the end of this movie and makes it an inevitability. Rather than than Jane having an active participation in it, and I think that is awesome. like one of my biggest issues with this. And I think yeah. you'll also notice that when we discuss this, Thor fought Gore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jane doesn't. No, Gore um, is not a thing. Like the in fact, the thing that is building up during the entirety of, of Jane's run is the War of the Realms, where Malkith is kind of like going around stirring discontent amongst the nine realms in the background as uh, well. Uh, as uh, like Mal Malkeith is doing this stuff. There's Dario Aga. Yes. who is a minotaur man who runs the Roxxon Energy Corporation, who is doing some stuff on Earth. And, who some and...
0: people thought Christian Bale was going to play when they yes. initially announced he was cast, but because did... it's like, when he's in his human form, it isn't a million miles off Patrick Bateman. So it's like, you know, oh, he could do that again, and then turn into a big crazy monster, and he doesn't have to do any of it. And then they're like, oh no, he's he's going to be gore, and he's going to wear makeup. I like, oh, and okay. I, I think that's a better <laughs> choice for this movie? What, Dario? The... Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I just think, like... I just think
0: Gore is fundamentally a Thor villain, and, like, you know, yeah, I know we're talking Thor versus Thor, and that's sort of the whole point of the book, is she is also Thor. And he goes by Odinson for, like, three years or something. But it's so fundamentally about Thor's, like, lost confidence and existentialism, which, you know, they start off with, and then for the ending to be like, he's just doing what he was doing before, but he's got a kid now. See how he's grown? No? It's taken these
1: two actually quite thematically rich and interesting yeah. like stories and kind of do- doled it down into yeah. it's just a guy that he has to fight. Like, There's no tension as well with Gore. Where, like, I think Bale's performance is good.
0: He's, but he's in his own movie.
1: He is in his own siloed little movie. He has barely any interaction with anyone. Yeah, it is very mushroom twirly. We all know Bale could do this in his sleep.
0: Yeah,
1: But there's little things where like... <laughs> The little kids are telling the story of like decapitating, like Thor decapitating people, and then Gore shows up and goes like, oh, you want to see decapitation? And he rips the head off like his little shadow snake. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, you liked it a second ago. Like, it's little tiny fucked up things like that are genuinely kind of fun in this movie. And they're so few and far in between, and so disconnected from everything else that you don't have like, Thor is grappling with the idea of his godhood more in Endgame than he is in this movie. <laughs> I don't think any movie has ever... Well, obviously, there is the moment, and it's probably the reason why they can't do it in this movie, but there's the moment in Endgame where he is back in the in the Dark World era... And he summons me on there, and he's still worthy, and he smiles, and, and it's yeah. heartwarming. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and it's like because he's been worried that he isn't worthy because he hasn't had that test for multiple years or something like that. And he's like, like,
0: he feels he failed by not going for the head, you know, like he he decapitates Thanos, and then you know they play it for laughs but i think the the very real element is he's abusing he's self abusing himself with food and stuff like he is he is self harming is probably the more accurate term and he's like wallowing in depression and thinks all of that makes him unworthy but it's obviously just done for like oh hey have another cheeto fat boy kind of thing and and i was like the worst thing they could do is have him get ripped immediately in the movie and oh hey look what happens <laughs> cuz they give that message of like hey yes, he's bigger, but he's still worthy, and look at him go. And then they're just like, "Mm, but we like it when Chris Hemsworth is naked and like really, really muscular. And like, sure, that is lovely to look at. (laughs) To just have him like, oh yeah, he went from dad bod to god bod in a montage. Like, It just feels really offensive.
1: (laughs) It's kind of the biggest issue of this movie is it's got a checkbox of things it has to tick off. It has to make Thor become... God, what again? Yes. It has to have a an obligatory scene with the uh, uh, the Gardens of the Galaxy because yeah. that's where we left him at the end of Endgame. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing Gore and we're doing Jane, so you kind of have to find time for both of these people. Um, oh wait, we gave Sif the short shift in in in. The last movie, so therefore, we have to have like a brief but extended cameo from her in this. It feels like the big thing that, like, the two big things that they want to do in Love and Thunder is they want to tell a story about other gods, but they don't have
0: any, they well, don't, they have do, any. but they're all
1: in one place, and then the ones that they do tell stories about are apparently all in deleted scenes that have never been released because they maybe want those actors to come back because there were all these reports of like peter dinklage and jeff goldblum shooting scenes for this movie and it's like oh that's what gore's doing gore's going around murdering gods
0: yeah like and it's not like in the comic he's murdering characters we've seen a lot but you see a lot of thor arriving on a scene and like horrified by what he finds and they do one of those and it's a giant monster with Sif sitting next to it and like the rest is all just will tell you about it and like we've been talking about this of like they are just so afraid to kill anyone these days because they want to have them in their pocket for like cameos or secret wars or, or whatever they want to do it with because i mean we talked in uh two weeks ago in dr strange how mordo killed by wonder and like the prologue or some shit i don't i don't know when it was supposed to happen and they take that out. So Mordo is now just out there, but no one remembers, and, like, his plot line is dropped. But yay, we get to bring him back one day, and, like, Gore kills no gods one-on-one. We don't see him just slaughter a god in single combat kind of thing, which would have, I think, really helped him. He should show up on Innocent City. Like, it feels like yes, that is missing He should from be the West one who kills Zeus if you're gonna... And, like, Zeus clearly fucking dies, and then it's just fine at the end. And then for you to drop the bombshell on me that... They changed that to have him die. Le- like he was supposed to survive. Well, very... there
1: are there are deleted scenes out there of him delivering the lightning bolt to Thor after the attack on the Shadow Realm,
0: yeah.
1: and like they have a conversation, and that's where Thor kind of like learns some of the lessons that he's supposed to learn. You can look these up online. Yeah. There are scenes that like there is a scene, like, the scene where Thor and Jane are in the infirmary, and there is like in behind the curtain in that scene is supposedly Russell Crowe. Yeah. Like, he is legit behind the curtain in that scene. They've just changed it. Yeah. Because these movies are so incredibly modular and go through so many different changes yeah. now. Where And it's the big issue that James Gunn brought up when he's recently been put in charge of DC, where it's like, I want to stop this thing of we go into production without a finalized script. Right. And I feel like Gunn is maybe the only person left at Marvel who can override that in some way, mm. where he will be able to go in and go like, I've, I've had this script for Five years you fired me i went to do another movie there was a pandemic i'm finally making it this is the script fuck off you're not changing anything (laughs) and with the fact that ryan coogler can't even get away with it and so i so i did not realize i I, this is a piece of something i probably should have realized is so i watched two movies this week that kind of have similarities to to this movie the first one is street fighter where infamously (laughs) That movie has four editors on it, yeah. and and you can tell that that movie is a complete mess, and like they're they're trying to like grapple with with what's going on. And normally four editors is a sign of like mm, trouble production. Thor: Love and Thunder also has four editors on it, and yeah. that isn't super rare for Marvel movies. I think like they normally fluctuate between two and three, but it is rare for them to get to four on a single movie, and that just speaks to maybe not troubled production because I don't think any of these are like troubled productions, but like just endless tinkering and whoever you had as the editor originally not being available because you've shot scenes three days out from release on a car parking lot and and green screen doing a costume or you decided to change what a costume looks like and i also think that um, christian bale's performance in this is very similar to ral julia's performance in street <laughs> fighter where it's a little bit too good for, for what the movie is
0: i'm glad you came around on it but yeah <laughs>
1: But the other one is is Men in Black 2 was a movie I watched literally last night where I was kind of sat there going, like, this is all the problems that sequels did in the early 2000s. Where it's just, let's make the first movie again and bring back all the things that people liked about that movie, but, like, for no reason other than people liked them in the first movie. And it kind of feels like this is what this movie is doing again, where it's like, well, we have to have... This happened, and this happened, and this happened. And obviously, I don't think it's quite as egregious, because it is telling its own story in its own location, but, like, Korg hanging around and whatnot, it just feels... They're playing the hits, but, like, they're not doing them as well as they did in the first movie. that's...
0: that's, I literally made a list of things that, like, to me, smack of just, like, a repeat, but worse. And, like... I mean, for me, the biggest mistake they made was, Guns N' Roses fucking suck. (laughs) And, like, like, so much of Ragnarok, like, it immediately works, because they're like, yes fucking play The Immigrant Song. It is like talking about Norse mythology and that song rips and they get away with doing it twice, and they should have done it in Infinity War. And this movie's all Guns and Roses, and they play. Do they play three different songs? They play like Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, and they do November Rain at the end. It's
1: Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City in November. Paradise City, sorry. And then Sweet Child of Mine is also featured. Yeah, yeah so it's four. It's four songs. Yeah. N' Roses. But and they, they also have they also have time for for ABBA and Enya and and. <laughs> I and do actually kind of like the choice of Enya, to be honest. But it's it's it, the, the Guns and Roses songs are the ones, where, like, like, having Axl Rose be name-dropped <laughs> multiple times, you kind of, like, and maybe that is entirely, like, a personal choice. where, like, if you don't yeah. like Guns N' Roses, you're just gonna go, like,
0: oh, fuck. Yeah, off. and I know that's, I'm, I'm unique here, and that most people are, like, Use your illusion as the perfect album, blah 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 albums. Uh, whatever I mean, you no, no, say. they're all
1: I I, I, I listen to I listened to the top one thousand albums of all time. I don't think I gave a Guns N' Roses album <laughs> above like two and a half stars.
0: Yeah. Them and Kiss, I'm like I don't get it. I'm sorry. But um so for they're me a, it's...
1: they're a singles band more than yeah. anything, and listening to a constrained album yeah. by them fucking sucks. But like, uh, you know, it's also, the same they're
0: going for the same thing though of like hey, here's a big song from, like, you know, the 70s, 80s, whatever, that, like, you know, and they're going for this, like, Space Viking, like, teenagers with their notebooks, like, drawing, like, skulls, kind of. In general, I approve of that take. Like, it helped give Ragnarok more life over the, like, we're gonna play it straight Shakespeare, we're gonna play it straight, like, medieval fantasy kind of thing. And, I like, I do still think that could work if they had the right voices in the room kind of thing, but... I yeah. mean,
1: it, it's kind of very Gen Xy to have that <laughs> band be Guns and Roses in this day and age. And like, my hot take is Led Zeppelin's better than Guns Absolutely. and
0: Roses. I don't think that's a, that's just like the coldest take you could describe. <laughs> they both do the play. You know, we, we have Loki's little play with Matt Damon and 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 everyone in the in the first one. I said the first one, the third one, and then you have this new one with Melissa McCarthy as Hela. Like, cool, nice, fun little casting. Just. It isn't quite as funny as the first one. Korg, in general, worse. Valkyrie, in general, much worse. Feels like Tessa Thompson has rocked up to set, like, drunk, improvising, having three Uh, sons of Retour and Taika. I
1: don't think it's drunk.
0: (laughs) No, I know, but like... I think maybe
1: a little bit of, like white powder.
0: Taking of rating the death of the Warriors 3 in a mocking way is somehow so, worse than them actually just being killed so quickly. So creatively.
1: this was, I, I listened to all of Blank Chet's commentaries in the MCU because I was like, I was saving those for me some point watching the full MCU. Yeah. And then it got to a point where I was like, well, that's years off at this point. I'm not, probably not going to do it until like, we're heading into phase five and the Avengers movies then. So I'll do like a, a nice big rewatch of the MCU. And I got to there because they're probably the biggest for the dark world stands in the world like they legit think it's like one of the best mcu movies and the big issue that they have with thor ragnarok is they think the movie's fun but they think it's it's kind of like sticking its finger up at the stuff that's come beforehand and the biggest stuff is all the stuff on asgard where it's like asgard is a people and killing off all the people (laughs) that people cared about and stuff like that but like treating it like a bit of a joke ultimately and and it feels like that take is doubled down to here where it feels like taker is trying to weaponize audience apathy for the stuff that that was in those first two movies but like by this point it feels almost vindictive where like god this is lame let's get back to like what people actually like which is vikings drinking and sex and stuff like that and then this movie has none of that because it's Mm. got too much tiger humor and tiger humor kind of revolves around small children which he is really good with child actors
0: yeah, yeah. But
1: he kind of lets them run rampant in the plot of this movie. Yeah. In a way that kind of detracts from everything else going on.
0: And I just I really, you know, when we're talking about what you just said and like we've touched on it before, that like as written the original story, it's taking place over three timelines. And Hemsworth has said multiple times he's only interested in coming back to Thor if there is a new challenge for him. And I think he felt that like playing Thor as, as, you know, Fat Thor and, and, like, Depressed Thor and everything in in, in Endgame and, and playing him as, like, you know, with the Guardians and, and with One Eye and he's lost everything in Infinity War, I think that met the challenge for him. And I don't really know what the challenge was here, but, like, for me, I can't escape that, like, he that would have been a really fun challenge for him as an actor to play this character in three different ways. Like, to play the young, cocky, not-yet-worthy, banging-all-the-Viking-ladies Thor the current Avenger Thor, and then playing this old, you know, has-seen-everything version of the character, I just think that would have been so much more fun for him, and probably would have made for a better product, and instead we are just doing... Obviously, he Taika still has that voice for him, and I think we all agree that Himbo Thor is generally the best default way to go. Good heart, but, like, dumb as a bag of rocks, like. But, yeah, and, like, opening with the Guardians and, like, it's, it's again emblematic of what's wrong with the MCU. They're just writing stuff with no plan in place because it's like, oh, Thor's going to go off with the Guardians. And then you have like James Gunn be like, Thor is not in my fucking movie. And they do this little opening ten minutes with them all together and it feels just so, so by obligation. And then they just piss off. And I, like...
1: I feel so sorry for like Karen Gillan and yeah. Dave Bautista because they have to do the full makeup. Yeah, for this,
0: I have to hope that they like borrowed them while they were shooting Guardians Three or something. But like those movies didn't shoot at the same time, did they? No, they
1: didn't. They were <sighs> like, like, yeah, I think they they had to come to set for this. It's like it's it's fine for Pratt because Pratt is yeah, like you yeah, put on a jacket and <laughs> and you're kind of done. And some animators
0: um, had to fucking do Groot and, and Rocket. For ten minutes.
1: Very funny that like apparently this like the timeline is all messed up because people are kind of going like this apparently only takes like six months before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three in the holiday special, but in that time Groot has like completely transformed. And it's like. I think there should be a little bit more time between them, surely. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, obviously Gunn kind of going like, no, we're holding off on the debut of the new group design until the thing that I wrote and directed, fuck you, <laughs> um, is feels very Gunn at this point, where I'm not saying that he's on the outs with, with Marvel, but I definitely think there is, like, a... I'm coming back to do the third part of this franchise because I love these characters and not because... Of what happened with you firing me because of some tweets i did years ago and it feels like i mean we said last night when we were where, i don't know if you were watching or we were just discussing it where like it feels like whatever chemistry there was between hemsworth and pratt is gone and i think it's
0: yeah that is the real like you think about how effortlessly fun it was seeing them all on the ship together and just like you know Drax is in love with him and he's identified Rocket as the captain and him and Pratt are obviously butting heads as the alpha himbos and then this just feels so like written by somebody who doesn't understand the voices of the characters and, and maybe that is it maybe just the Russos had a better grasp on the Guardians and from talking to Gunn and Tyker's like I've seen the Guardians movies I like them I think I can write them and it's like I don't think you can actually.
1: <laughs> it's so weird as well that Obviously, the reason is is because Chris Pratt is the star of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. But as a character, we know that Thor has spent a lot more time with Rocket because they were on the journey to go build um, Stormbreaker together. Yeah. And then Rocket is the only Guardian that isn't snapped and yeah. spent five years on Earth. And obviously, Thor wasn't an Avenger in that time. But you have to imagine that like he knew Rocket was around, or like he he saw Rocket and stuff like that. Like there is more of a history between Thor and Rocket than there is any other character in this, and Rocket has got, like, a line, two lines, and, I mean, I don't know how much it would cost to get Bradley Cooper to do more than that, but it feels like there maybe should have been a little bit more (laughs) between those two than anyone else. It just feels like it's a movie of... Obligation choices and bad choices like through and through and some of that is probably COVID related. I mean, the Wikipedia even goes like they ultimately began filming in 2021 with four editors and two different people doing the doing the score and 23 companies providing the visual effects for this movie. Yeah, twenty three yeah. visual effects. And like, it
0: looks like shit. The the nighttime fight in New Asgard is one of the worst looking things, like extended scenes they've ever done. Like there are moments here that everyone mocks, like you know floating Axel head and and the teleportation scene and stuff. But like hasn't extended his five minutes in one place new asgard thor thor and valkyrie versus gore's people it looks like shit to me and then like unnoticed city (sighs) like i can see how somebody sat down and designed all of that and had a really fun time doing it and like yes there's a big dragon and yes there's bast sitting in front of them but there's also just cringe stuff like the god of dumplings and the whole thing just looks like the prequel trilogy of star wars (laughs) like and those movies look good for the time but this does not.
1: What do we think of Ninny of the Nonny? I think it's very funny that he's sitting on a throne of scissors. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah. Just clicked on the Wikipedia, or not the Wikipedia page, the Marvel Cinematic Fandom page for Ninny mm-hmm. of the Nonny, and it's got, like, allies, and then a list of everyone, and then it's got, like, Asgardians, Thor, Valkyrie, and Jane Foster. I'm like, are they allies of him? <laughs> Korg is is listed as a fan, and then his enemies are Gore the God Butcher, but it's like, none of the gods give a shit about Gore, it feels like, which is...
0: It would have been cool, I mean, this requires a change to, like, decades of Marvel movies now, to pepper in more characters that we can, like, directly relate to other pockets of, of Marvel kind of thing, and, like... You know it's tricky like it's not like we can have multiple god characters that we've invested in for multiple films and then all one-on-ones them and we're like oh no i thought he was gonna kill valkyrie and i was like okay that means something and then she fucking survives yep like, but yeah like so we got the we got the like you know the haphazard half-hearted prologue with the guardians he goes to investigate with sif you know we've talked through all jane being glib about getting treatment she goes to get the pieces of Mjolnir, and then we have this nighttime attack on New Asgard. And I will say, the effect where she chucks Mjolnir and it breaks up into the hundreds of pieces is pretty cool. Um... It's not as
1: good as the comics, because obviously the comics... The Jane Foster run on Thor is drawn by Russell Daltman, who is mm. one of the best artists in comics. Uh, yeah. He doesn't draw enough interior pages anymore, but he's a big costume designer for yeah. the x-men at this point in time and like every year I, d- I don't know if like normies will see it but they do a hellfire gala <laughs> and he is one of the people that does like designs for all the costumes of the x-men that, web- and they are fucking incredible. It's basically just the X-Men wearing, like, cool BDSM gear at points and stuff like that, and like, it's exactly what the X-Men should be at this point, and it's become a yearly tradition and I, I love seeing what they come up with. If you want a good time, just Google X-Men Hellfire Gala costumes, and you'll see some, like, really, really cool designs. And in the comics, he draws... Jane and Mjolnir's relationship as, like, being a lot more symbiotic than, kind of, like, Thor and
0: Mjolnir. She can like, make the hammer do things that he can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, the, the hammer, will like, moves around the page, and it's projected by, like, blue lines, kind of, like, going everywhere, and it's got, like, squiggles, and it just goes so fast and flies through things. And they're trying to, kind of, replicate it here, and I guess it's about as close as they can get, but it's just... I did want to see the hammer just, kind of, fly around, just, kind of, like, fly through... It's steps. doing it
0: a little bit. Like, when he first like he hears it flying around and then he tries to catch her and he goes back to Jane and I don't know how I feel about Jane just arriving fully formed I mean that is how it goes in the comic and she is a really cool character but I don't know it just feels like there's that there's somehow not enough Jane in this movie um, there
1: isn't, like, because they're trying to split it between you've got to do Thor as the lead and yeah. Gore as the villain, and so you've got to have like 15 minutes for Gore, and Jane doesn't really show up in the, the Thor costume for like half an yeah. hour. And...
0: and they're just, they're just generally it's... centering the Jane story through Thor. Um, yes. And that just feels wrong to me, and I would rather they went for... I'd rather they were just big, brave boys and did a Jane movie. And you can still have Thor in it as that Odinson character who's just kind of, like, moping around in his tattered cape with an axe, but he is a supporting character. But... They obviously know the money is it. Well, the billion dollar previous. No, did Ragnarok actually not make a billion? Was no, that?
1: billion. It didn't. It was like that year where the ceiling was kind of eight hundred million. Okay,
0: but still, that almost billion dollar movie, like with Thor. Thor's the money character. Like obviously, they have to frame it around him. But it just, it just puts them into that problematic position. And then we go into like all of this stuff with like we have like completely opposite outcomes of two jokes that they're going to go to where like well not jokes but narrative beats where, like, we see the montage of Thor and Jane breaking up and it's surprisingly good, I think, (laughs) where they are just having very real, human communication breakdowns and changes of want and need and and everything but then we're also doing this fucking cringe humor where the hammers are his ex-girlfriends and stormbreaker is jealous of mjolnir and he's talking to it like oh oh hey no that means nothing to me like i know they're riffing on the shit in the first movie with like the third movie with like i can tell that the hammer meant a great deal to you and oh my god the hammer pulled you off as like a one-time joke but to then pull that all the way to, like, these hammers are floating into frame to do jealous looks at him and stuff, like... But
1: they're also pulling from the fact that, like, in the in the Jane Foster Thor series... Yes,
0: the, the hammer is sentient. The hammer is sentient, with it has her. a
1: storm inside it, and, like, that is kind of the whole point, and, like, the, but they do some interesting things, because there's more of the MCU to play with, and yeah. there's some really interesting stuff involving Mjolnir and, like, the Phoenix Force Yes, uh, in that. But that's because, again, they've got a bigger tapestry that they could play with, but, like... I mean that—that's the stuff that I want to see, and yeah. obviously you can't do that because Jace, Jason Aaron has a history with the X Men. Like he wrote yeah. Wolverine and the X Men for a good many years. Yeah. He—he's played around with the Phoenix Force. He's played around with—with with one of my favourite Marvel characters, Quinton Choir, yeah. who is very integral in that entire story. But and then in you...
0: his Avengers run, like Phoenix, is a huge part of it, and the like One Million BC Avengers, where Odin is like a young brown-haired man who is in love with the Phoenix and. They drop a massive bombshell that the Phoenix is Thor's biological mother, shit like that. And like, even when he's on Avengers, he is doing these big Thor stories and everything. Yes, <laughs> I don't mind the hammer being sentient. I mind the lane they've taken it in. For, yeah, exactly. Like,
1: like it, 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 it doesn't have a character. It is a, a, a jilted ex-lover, yeah. which, or well, even in this point, it's a it's a current lover. And obviously, like by the end of it, they've like we've come around to it because he gives Mjolnir to, to love as they reveal. They live together as, like, a weird... I don't even know how to describe the relationship between the hammer, the the axe, and, the, and Thor. But, like, she's drawn on Mjolnir, he's wielding Mjolnir, she's wielding Stormbreaker. The parts of the story that Taika feels more invested in are not the things that I'm more invested in. What do we think of Natalie Portman's performance in this?
0: I was psyched for her to come back, because it feels like she's this almost forgotten chapter, and she had the... Did she have, like, a really miserable time making the Dark World? Yeah, she
1: doesn't come back for the Dark World. The kiss at the end is between Hemsworth and his wife.
0: Yeah. She is this great actress, and, like, her mark on this really popular, giant, mega-franchise is kind of, like, lukewarm at best, and it's like, okay, cool, they've, like, mended this fence, and she's gonna come back and do this, like, huge... Yeah, this huge, important, beloved run. And then it's like... (sighs) I don't know. I just don't feel there's enough of her to like do much with it because, like you know, as you say, she's being way more glib, and then they're not giving enough time to breathe with the more serious scenes. And when she's being Thor, she's like, "Oh, how are my catchphrases and stuff like that?" I, I, it's just not quite there for me.
1: It feels like it's not in Portman's wheelhouse for this, and I think like a, a slightly more serious version where like she's maybe taking it a little bit more seriously than everyone else would be the right way to go but she isn't the the kind of like the easy charisma isn't there for her and, I, and not to say that I don't like Natalie Portman but it, it does feel just again like they wanted to do this run because it's a popular run and then no one thought whether or not it would work with kind of the pieces they had on the table and I think there is a version of this movie where Natalie Portman is really good at playing the James Thoster 4 I don't think it's directed by Taika Waititi is yeah. kind of the ultimate yeah, yeah. End, end goal of it
0: yeah and then like you know every now and then we're checking in on goal and like you know it's all good as we said but man and then you know they formulate their plan to go to omnipotent city raise an army they have to come up with a reason why they can't just teleport so it's the whole jealousy thing with stormbreaker like acting up so then they use the goats which you know they're like 10 year old meme at this point with the screaming goat like but Stormbreaker is still producing the exactly, the Bifrost, it's just they're using the goats to steer, kind of thing we all love Family Affair by Mary J Blige, but doing (laughs) a oh is that a hand grenade now, it's a bluetooth speaker joke, is a bit lame, IMO and they go to Omniton City to raise an army against the God Butcher and it's just a series of just like, why did this have to happen this way, moments, and like for it to, you know, we've got Russell Crowe doing his, um Slightly dodgy Greek accent. Slightly dodgy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, slightly, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, the new, you know, the, oh, look, Thor's naked and all oh, the ladies faint and Valkyrie's down for an orgy and, and <laughs> for it to all just come down to Zeus being like, eh, don't wanna. And like, I'm scared a bit, but I won't tell anyone. And like, oh, he probably won't make it and stuff like that. Only for them to just steal the thunderbolt. And it's like, you came here for an army and you left with a, with a thunderbolt. this This feels like bad writing to me. <laughs> Kind of a waste. And like, again, in the comic, he arrives and everyone there is dead, right? Like, it's just yeah. like the librarian left or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, that's that, he goes there to find out more information on him, and Gore has already been there and yeah. kind of laid waste. But like, and like, what if you and, do you know, that?
0: What if you arrive there and you arrive to see the Necrosword through the back of Zeus or something? I don't know. yeah but then you can't set
1: up like hercules, hercules the, yes. in the end credits with the latest hot actor who everyone really likes and i'm I'm not sad for brett goldstein i'm just like boy what is gonna like there isn't gonna be a thor 5 before thor dies i don't think because like that you have to imagine at this point that hemsworth is out and done and the next time he appears is going to be a big payout check for the avengers movies because they're already kind of, like, saying that they want to maybe squeeze in, like, Shang-Chi 2 and Doctor Strange 3 and before we get to the Avengers movies, which, God help them if, like, they don't even have people in place to kind of, like, produce those movies. But, like, that that is beginning to get, like, really worryingly busy on an overall schedule if you want to get those two movies out as well. But, yeah, I can't imagine you have any time to do Hercules versus Thor before the end of Hemsworth's contract or obligations are, are, are due. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just scrolling through the movie now, and like it, it's so. The movie is over by one minute, one hour forty, <laughs> one hour forty-five. whatever. like it is
0: when they when they go to that black and white fight with Gore. The first time I saw it, I was like, "How are there forty-five minutes left? Even if ten of those are credits, like how is this not the final showdown?"
1: So obviously, watching this on Disney Plus, it does the whole like IMAX thing. Well, like, at the moment, it goes black and white, and it like goes to the IMAX ratio. Mm. There are some fun ideas yeah. in this sequence I think uh, I, it looks I like, like shit okay in terms of like, I don't think the black and white like it's very obviously kind of like not being composed in such a way to let the black and white really pop yeah. in a way that kind I of I like when you see uh, like the
0: moving shadows and stuff yes
1: and um, stuff like that and like I, I like that shot of like the the ship crashing into a tiny moon that you've been <laughs> thinking is huge is like fun yeah. and but it's like it's that very lazy thing that I feel like a lot of movies do or a lot of things do since kind of like Schindler's List where like mm. let's put in little pops of colour every so often yeah, so like no the one like, glowing and the lightning
0: bolt's yellow and yeah yes
1: exactly but, but because it's all very obviously that they've done this in post and not actually filmed the entire thing in black and white, it just kind of looks kind of bad. It's a
0: trick we've all seen, and yeah, it's the worst looking version of it. I like elements of this, this like, Jane realising he's after Stormbreaker and just chucking it into space, and then him having to call it back, and the big fight, and, like, I was convinced Valkyrie should be dead, and, you know, they've obviously got some unfinished business if they end it here. Because they've set up this premise of Eternity and, and granting wishes from Eternity and he wants to go and make a wish that all gods will die. And I do like getting into these really abstract, wacky, cosmic elements of Marvel with the the primordial entities like Eternity and stuff. But like, and I understand it's oh. easier to do the, what cinematically... what about Celestials cameo? Oh yeah, through the, the window. Uh, uh, it's obviously easier to do in cinema than... The God Bomb, which is Gore's Endgame in the comic of of he's building a giant bomb full of God power that will kill the entire universe or something.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember what the exact. I've not read the run. I should read the run again because yeah. he's he's got like
0: a example. he's got like a mine full of enslaved gods and they're all working on building this God Bomb and it's like yeah that is a bit too comicky to do in a movie. So I understand doing the Eternity Wish stuff and the Bifrost opens it. So Zeus is like, Well, as long as he doesn't get the buy for us, he can do what he wants. For it to then go on for another half hour kind of thing.
1: We have to go home. Yeah. We have to have one final moment of like four finding out that Jane has cancer. And, like, Valkyrie has to convince them. And then, probably my biggest overall issue with this is, obviously, we go to another location, we get another tease of Celestials, or, like, the various all-powerful beings in the MCU, because I think, like, Living Tribunal's got a statue there, and I can't remember any the other ones, I'll have to look up to see whether or not, like, there are any other interesting ones. But it's, like, Thor empowers all of the children to, like, use weapons and have the power of Thor briefly, so to help beat up the Shadow Monsters and help beat up Gore essentially. But, like... It feels like none of the the kind of the three character arcs in this movie of Thor, Jane and Gore are about the same thing. What is Thor supposed to be learning in this movie? Cuz like at yeah. the st- at the start he is in a position of like he's goofing off having fun with the Guardians and like isn't properly comfortable with like this found family and then by the end of it he has got a found family, but it's just a little girl and it's like oh yeah. Okay. I, it's like there's a
0: there's a there's a hole in his heart. There's something missing, and they do the really on the you know the not quite funny enough like find someone to feel shitty about kind of thing. So that
1: that's thing is like it feels like maybe there is something there with Gore and Thor, where like Thor realizes the thing that he's missing in his life is being a father, and <laughs> his pain is similar to Gore's pain, but Gore is coming at a point from loss, and Thor is coming from a point of view of like not having had it. But like they're yeah. not. They don't have the time to kind of like clash those two ideas together and to make the ultimate decision of Gore bringing his daughter back to life and then dying. But then Jane confuses all of it, where like her arc is to die a noble death because she has cancer. Yeah, and like I mean again, because if you wanted to make this a movie about having your found family and stuff like that, then the logical end of this movie is Thor, Jane, love. Korg and Valkyrie going off on adventures together and feeling like like well, this isn't like a, a a functional family but it's our family kind of thing and the movie kind of ending with Thor and Love on their own Jane dead Gore dead Valkyrie back off in Asgard it just feels like what what have we achieved here No it doesn't feel like any characters actually learnt anything over the course of these two hours not to say that you can't do a kind of like fun two hour unconnected romp but i want to know that the characters have progressed over the course of the two hours
0: yeah like he just has a kid it doesn't feel like it's like he's learned in any any important lessons like yes he reconciles with jane and to do their big uh, emotional moment in front of the purple cgi nonsense is, is a choice but like He goes it alone, he he empowers the kids, but he's still not quite... Someone in the prop department really fucking loves this Thunderbolt as a a concept. (laughs) (laughs) It turns into daggers, it does all of this. So Jane has to suit up one last time, even though she's been told this will probably kill you, which, again, is, is a thing in the comic, um, but, you know, they've built so much up that it means way more.
1: I would much rather... if Mangog was in this movie, it's way more <laughs> interesting, because obviously the whole point of Mangog is, like, Mangog is kind of unkillable, yeah. and Jane has to, like, use all of her power and destroy Mjolnir to, to do it. Yeah. Inside a sun, isn't it? Like, they fly into the they
0: sun. They chain it to Mjolnir and chuck Mjolnir into the sun, yes. Yeah.
1: And obviously, Mjolnir is the thing that is keep giving her powers that keep her alive. And basically, they've yeah. come to the conclusion that like you will die if you suit up one more time. So you have to say as Jane forever, and yeah. so she has to destroy Mjolnir yep. to do that. Whereas,
0: and like her reward in the comic is Odin makes her a Valkyrie. Her reward here is yeah. So she they they defeat Gore. He is dying. They have their last tender moment, and then she is gone. And in the very end credits. She ostensibly arrives in Valhalla and is greeted by him. But I can't believe they keep getting Idris Elba back when he was like, "I want to slip my wrists instead of make another Marvel movie." <laughs> I have to assume the paycheck was huge because
1: he's done yeah. so many of these at this point that, like, yeah. right. So Jane destroys Mjolnir to destroy the Necroblade.
0: She chucks Mjolnir through the Necroblade. She does, and it then it shatters, and then the bits come back with a piece of the Necroblade. And then she summons enough thunder to destroy the bit inside of it, and it destroys yeah, the rest. But it,
1: it destroys it destroys Mjolnir. I but think Mjolnir's Mjoln fine though because he's got. But Mjolnir's Mjoln Mjoln fine at the end. end
0: that's the thing. Like, so why does Jane? I don't think she does destroy it. I think she just like brings the thunder down with a piece but, of. But then the... she smashes it into the floor. Yeah, but I think it's the thing that it can keep coming back to. I don't know, maybe Thor figures out how to put it back to But that's
1: the thing, is like, it, again, it, it, it is less of a sacrifice because yeah. this, the movie hasn't communicated the stakes of what's going the on. The
0: hammer is her life, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, really and like, maybe like... they are gonna do a Jane Valkyrie thing in the future. I don't know what that, but you then, know,
1: but then what's Valkyrie's Because the whole of Valkyrie's thing is like they say that like Valkyrie kind of wants to be dead because all of her sisters and lovers have died and yeah. exist in Valhalla Again, they are like sort of
0: like minor cop out on being the queer part of the franchise, like they said in Ragnarok, like it's very important to us that Valkyrie's queer, and then there's like no evidence, and in this it's like. She can have a dead girlfriend and the rock monster can be gay, but no present day human looking gay people, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the and I have to assume the only reason they managed to get Korg through is because they were like, Well, the rock monsters are only male. Yes. So
0: they have no choice. Yeah. They have no choice,
1: <laughs> and also it's a CGI rock monster. Therefore, it's it's divorced. Exactly. Right exactly.
0: But like you pissed China and Ru- Russia off enough. Like you can you can get away with a little you bit. You might more. as well go through the whole hog at this point. Like I don't think China are coming back at this point. It would take a long time and I a lot think of...
1: Ant Man is releasing in China. So like okay. they finally mended whatever it was that was but going on But you know,
0: Shang Chi too is coming. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they've removed Shang Chi from the opening credits of Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania oh, right. to, sh- to not have that character in there in China. Only in China, he's still there in in the. Oh, world. in the
0: like Marvel scroll.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh right, I was going to say, removed... like, what
0: would Shang-Chi be doing? In
1: I really like the design of Eternity. Yes,
0: but that's because it's such a fucking great design in the comics and it's I know. hard and to fuck up.
1: It is hard to fuck up. It's just like, I was just kind of like, oh good, a, a, a nice comic accurate design. Speaking of designs, what do we think about Thor's costume in this movie? The blue one? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it looks really ugly, and, um, and it it's, so it's over designed, and it's so it's gaudy. And like, I do like the idea that he summons a new costume purely because he's petty. That you know, she looks like him, but like this wasn't the right one, in my opinion.
1: No, and it just smacks of we have to design a new costume for every single movie, yep. new toys, to...
0: new merch, new everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: The one thing we really haven't discussed up until this point is the the montage. The montage. Of, like, the the, the 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 Korg telling the story of Jane and Thor's breakdown of Oh, I relations. mean, I was trying to
0: get at that a bit with the, I think it's surprisingly good earlier, but...
1: Yes, it's... but, like, I, I don't know, it's just, it's it's the one moment in the movie where I'm like, oh, there's so- something, it's, it's the time where I don't find Korg annoying <laughs> when he's narrating this. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of the Jane Fonda... And, no, that uh, stuff is all... What, it's, it's Jane Foster, and then who's... No, sorry, it's Jane Fonda, and then who's the other person he... or oh, Jodie Foster, he calls her. Yes. Never quite gets Jane's and name right. And
0: then the Axel, wrote, uh, Axel and... What does he call him? Korg says, like, it's Asshole or something like that. And <laughs> it's, like, Axel, and he's saying, like, Astrid or something like that. Right, okay. I
1: I watched the movie, like, five days ago at this point. I watched it last
0: night, and I didn't remember if Sif died or not. And then she's back at the end.
1: Yeah, I I, I like the montage. It's fun, because especially when, like... I kind of wish there was a little bit more of it in terms of, like, placing it into the timeline, because obviously it's kind of taking place in between Dark World and Age of Ultron, and so he gets a call from Nick Fury to presumably go take down another Hydra base. Yeah. Uh, in this mini timeline but it's nice that like they actually had like a decent long relationship and you kind of forget because these movies are not television essentially what the span of time is in between each of them and the time is realistically like the time in between we see the characters so Thor and Jane have a relationship that lasts kind of like kind of 18 18 months to two years kind of thing yeah or maybe a bit longer because obviously they, they break up sometime in between end of 2013 and 2017 so like it's actually like a significant portion of their lives they get to well not thor's life obviously because he's a thousand years old or whatever but by the time we see him in thor Ragnarok, they're well and truly broken up but like it helps give a sense of like actual time and impact to their relationship even if i don't think the movie the movie being too glib after that point about the relationship kind of undercuts what they did manage to develop in that early portion and again it comes back to like it it doesn't feel like the movie has the full arc for either of them when one of them has to die yeah ultimately
0: yep it's not fridging but it's not a million miles off where like as i said they've centered jane's whole story through thor and then like she has to die for him to learn his lesson and he doesn't even learn anything. Oh, yeah, no, thing is of... like,
1: he's still doing the same thing at the start of the movie as he's at the end yeah, of the movie. Yeah, like, it's he's like, just, literally he's just doing the same. the well,
0: running montage, but now he's running with his daughter, you know, Gore's resurrected daughter, and she's got powers, and they're just going off and fighting things together, and he's making her pancakes, and, like... Like, it somehow made $761 million, which is a it lot made more than
1: th- It made more than Thor Ragnarok. Domestically, or...? It, it made more than it worldwide.
0: I thought... Ragnarok made 800.
1: Once. The ceiling was 800.
0: No, it made 854. Did it? On a smaller budget. And then...
1: Oh, I guess maybe... What, what's yeah.
0: It? So it made a little less money on a little bigger budget. Still, like, a hit, money-wise. But, like, so ripped apart creatively that, like, I think I finally believe Hemsworth that he's not sure he's going to do another one. I have to imagine if they do a Thor 6... No, 5, even. Tyker will not be... The main creative voice, like maybe it's more that they strap him with one of their like Marvel-approved writers, and like everything must go through Feige this time. I don't. I, know, I don't but... think.
1: I don't think that's
0: working out either. No, like... I mean I, I. don't either. But like I, I would just take Tyker off it entirely. But maybe some part of them was like, look, his movies have made money. Yeah, I even mean, if they're bad, we have to keep them around. But
1: I mean, what domestically? Which is obviously the the fact that like Thor one makes 181 million, Thor yeah. two makes 206, Thor three makes 315, and then Love and Thunder makes 343. Obviously, so it, makes like, okay. it makes more
0: domestic. It
1: makes more domestic. It makes less worldwide. Obviously, COVID is impacting this.
0: Yeah,
1: but then you've got inflation on top of this, where like that three four three is probably maybe about the same as the three eighteen right. uh, was. Yeah. So it, it it it's obviously like a bouncing act. I think they're probably relatively happy with how all the movies performed last year. Like none of them went under 300. Yeah. Black Panther obviously doesn't get to the dizzy heights of of the original movie, but it still is the highest-grossing non-Spider-Man movie that they've had since yeah. Endgame. None of them hit a billion yeah. at the at the box office, but like we are at a point where there have only been 3 billion dollar movies since the pandemic. But then I think all of them are, like, crazy, crazy successes where, like, yeah. like, it's hard to imagine what they would have done if the pandemic wasn't limiting Spider-Man, Top Gun, and Avatar in various <laughs> ways. Like, the fact that Spider-Man's at 1.9, Avatar's gone over 2 billion, and the fact that, like, Top Gun Maverick is in the top 10 highest-grossing mm-hmm. domestic movies of all time yeah. is crazy. Then <laughs> Ant-Man and to Lost at the moment, looking to be the highest-grossing
0: Ant-Man movie well yeah i mean low bar because they're the lowest grossing sub-franchise but yeah i mean it feels like we're right back where we were where like it coming out of ragnarok you're like oh my god new life into this character we could keep the, we've almost reset the the clock on thor and we could do a whole new trilogy and after this it's like hmm what the hell do you do with thor next do you do anything with thor should
1: hemsworth have bowed out like evans and downey jr yeah. And Scarlett Johansson, I guess, even but at this I think, point.
0: But I think the thing is, it's, it's having two movies that were, like, modest to bad, and then having a real home run of a movie. It breathes new life, and it's like, you deserve your, like, big successful run. And also, like, I've always maintained that, like, you know, Thor is an immortal character, like, well, basically. Like, you can just do so many things with him... You can have him rock up on an avengers team recognize none of them and be like okay whatever so i don't want him to just go away but just the the prospect of a thor 5 sounds
1: (laughs) i'm getting worried that like he is going to be the sacrificial lamb that he will die
0: that kang will kill him yes as to like, predicted like, Thanos would kill him in the previous Avengers movie.
1: <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, like, I think this is definitive because I think Hemsworth no, is still probably the biggest biggest name that they've got attached yeah. to any of these movies at this point. Like yeah. they've obviously got rising people and people who they're like molding things around, but Hemsworth yeah. is still. If they do an Avengers movie and they don't manage to get like Downey Jr. or Evans back as like alternate versions of their characters, yeah. then like Hemsworth is top build. I think unquestionable that he is top build yeah. so on that movie.
0: I would like to see him just quietly sunsetted rather than killed off. Like, I like to think Thor is out there even if we're not seeing him anymore. But, yeah, I could absolutely see him being like, look, I want my last two big paychecks, and then I'm out. I've given you a lot over the years. (laughs) And, like, yeah, if you want to make Kang look like a big fucking threat, having him kill the unkillable strongest Avenger would be the way to go.
1: It's almost what they did in Endgame, or Infinity War even, because obviously they have him, That he kills Heimdall, he kills Loki, he beats the Hulk, he then destroys the ship and leaves Thor's, like, body floating in space. Like, it is a big statement moment, and it would feel cheap for them to do the same statement moment with, with Kang. Yeah, but
0: you've got to do something to say this is legit kind of thing. You've got to. I think you do have to kill some characters with, and, with major and, villains. And the issue that they have is we're
1: kind of at this point where like we've acknowledged that they're setting up these future movies, yeah. but it feels kind of like they're scrambling around in three different avenues for what they're going to do. Yeah. But then they're also doing these like side movies that don't really connect to anything outside of it. Where I don't know what Fall Love, and Thunder sets up for anything. Going yeah, we've got
0: Hercules at the end. Thor's got a daughter, like, that's another child character that, like, you know, my my theory that they'll do some timey-wimey bullshit to present adult versions of the various MCU kids we've got floating around so, like, here's Thor's quasi-daughter as an adult but, kind of thing but the thing. thing is
1: i don't know we had 10 years of establishing a supporting cast and i'm like looking at what we got now and obviously they can dip into that older supporting cast but like you're cut off from the captain america supporting cast that isn't bucky and and sam your the iron man cast is kind of like off limits now spider-man has got no supporting cast and it's like who is the big statement kill at the start of an Avengers movie that is left from kind of like the characters that you've got bumming around, because it's like, I, you can't do anything with Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone in Doctor Strange does that. I don't think anyone, like, it, it is kind of the Thor and the Black Panther universe, and even those two are like thin on the ground in terms yeah. of like who is left. Or well, who
0: you're going to kill, M'Baku. Yeah. <laughs> like, And that would suck. Yeah, and yeah, Hercules is your big, oh, here's Brett fucking, oh, hey everyone, it's Ted Lasso's. <laughs> Character as Hercules. I wanted Hercules in the MCU for ages. I don't know how I feel about that casting. I don't know what they do with it in the future. But again, yeah. we're
1: we're in that realm of like it used to be. You'd get this casting and the character would appear yep. within like twelve months. Yep. and it's like cool. I Brad Goldstein might not appear in anything for like three years at
0: this exactly. point. There is no
1: yeah. fucking idea. He joins.
0: What's he joins the the clear the Harry Styles that you know these characters that are just rocking up and like there's no plan. I mean, yeah. people say that
1: Eternals 2 and Shang-Ti 2 and Doctor Strange 3 are like coming but like yeah like yeah. they weren't on the statement piece that they did last year so but they used to be like yeah they would be in projects that are coming up they would be yeah. directed by the director of a movie that's coming out in the next six months to tee up that next movie
0: yeah. or like and as all soon these... as the movie comes out they're like and here's the title card for the next one and here's the release date for it and it's no more than two years away kind of thing yeah And that that just doesn't happen. So yeah, like yeah, a messy movie at at times, a really 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 bad movie. Occasionally, an okay movie. We have our normal segments. There's all Marvel. I feel I feel some people think Bale is a slam dunk. I'm just like, is he in it enough?
1: He's he's not a slam dunk, but he is the only person. Obviously, he's the
0: only person. It would feel a little bit disingenuous to not put him on and then, like, we have characters that have, like, one scene or, like, not many, you know, we have Ben Kingsley, we have Sam Rockwell, who aren't, like, doing loads and loads and loads of scenes. I just have a little bit of trepidation about...
1: I think, again, it's the issue of, like, I think when Sam Rockwell shows up, for his, like, limited amount of time. He is a lot of fun and doing a lot of fun Sam Rockwell things.
0: And he's ripping off of of the rest of the cast, kind of.
1: And Christian Bale is coming in doing a thing that we know he can do very, very well. And obviously he doesn't do villains super often, but he does do compromised characters quite a bit. And it just feels like... I don't know, like, it's kind of like him putting in, like, 7 out of 10 in the effort vein. And I'm like, it got, like again you give him one more scene or you give him like a little bit more face time with jane and and thor or you you tie in his themes and arc into the rest of the movie i think he probably is i mean it's kind of tied into our villain tier kind of conversation (laughs) i think he's kind of like a mid-air
0: yeah, it's like this could have been really good, but it's not quite there. Which which I feel like is kind of like quite common
1: for like you look at the kind of the people we've got there and it's like Red Skull, Ultron, Ego, Hella, Mysterio, Gore, all yeah. of those feel like a very similar yeah. vein where it's like you a little bit more juice to this. It's mm. a and, lot like Hella where like
0: I dig I dig the aesthetic, I love the performer. There is some cool visuals here, like you know, I, there is something here, but they're just siloed off because there's simply not time for them, and it just hurts it.
1: So that leads us to we're getting into a very worrying situation where <laughs> I feel like we haven't given out an all Marvel for three of these. Obviously, we, we've given one out for Strange with Olsen, but that just replaced Plus replacing
0: her pick, her pick for one division. So yeah, I'd be willing to come back at the end and put him on cause at as the long moment- as we've hit everybody we really want on, yeah.
1: We've At the moment, we've got Isaac and Bale in kind of that maybe pile. And then there's, like, questions of, like, are there people from previous things that we've also got the option to do? Like, are we how are we feeling on, like, Tiona Paris and Paul Bettany, White Russell, mm-hmm. Simu Liu, who are, are kind of, like, yeah. people we can retroactively give it to when we've got these? I,
0: th- I think I would feel better about Paul Bettany than I would Oscar Isaac or Christian Bale, to be honest. So I'm kind of of the opinion, let's again not give one and to see where we're at at the end, I know that I want multiple people from Black Panther. I personally want multiple people from Werewolf by Night. That may be a tough sell, but <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I
1: mean, it, it, a strong it's, maybe. It's... But so it, it, I I recently re-listened to like all of our all Marvel conversations from oh. from last phase. Uh, by re- by recently I mean last night whilst I was cooking dinner. Um, <laughs> it was very much one of those things where I was like, it was interesting because even when we were like we gave it to Han, we gave it to to Mages, and like we ended up saving the other pick until we got to Eternals, and then we joint gave it to Olsen. and Sophia Di- Di Martino at the same time because yeah. we were like those are the two that we're waiting for. We're just waiting for those two kind of like gaps in in the in the selection for us to like award this, yeah. which which ultimately is what happened. And so, but at this point we're at three. And there's like lots of people who are like maybes, and it's like, do we hold off until we get to like and just give it to a whole bunch of the Black Panther cast <laughs> um, because we had people from the first Black Panther movie that we that are on the maybe pile. I think we have on our spreadsheet. We've got Winston Duke down in the maybe pile for both Panther and yeah. for Wakanda of Forever.
0: Yeah, and like Letitia Wright was on and then came off, and then like you know, we'll have that conversation. My my instinct is to not put him on, but some part of me is like, we've got to put somebody on. <laughs> I know, we're, it's just, we're just getting it, but I think
1: it just, again, it speaks volumes about, like, where we're at in yeah, terms of... it's
0: been a while since there's been, I mean, Olsen is an absolute slam dunk, and there are some people coming up who I think are great, and, and um, Imran was, was great, but we are kind of lacking on these really exciting performances lately.
1: Yeah, like, there were more in the kind of the last year Sessions that we did, yeah. I feel, in terms of like who we were feeling really, really high on. We'll see. I mean, like again, because I think all the projects we've got left mm. are not compromised, <laughs> but like either they don't let the people spread their full legs out, or yeah. spoilers. We probably will uh, be siding with the Academy Awards for one of the actors <laughs> for the next couple
0: episodes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I told my partner that that person got nominated, and they're like, and "Okay, the good," because that was really, really good acting just then. <laughs> and is the front-runner for that award. Yeah, yeah. And when you were talking about how even Kugler can't have this, it's like, this is the man that has drawn two legit Oscar noms, not just the <laughs> the technical boys. Like, this guy has gotten a best picture and a best Sporty acting. Sporting actress. Yes. Oh, don't give away who it is, Ben. <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> the, the first for the MCU as well. Anyway, uh, right.
0: that's Love and Thunder. Speaking of compromise projects, next week will be She-Hulk. That will be a whole thing
1: <laughs> boy the project i literally Matt came to see me last december yeah. and i was finishing the show in the morning before we got there for, to to finalize the list just to make sure she hulk
0: um there was there are things about it i think it's going to be interesting there, you go. there are things about it i feel very positively about and then some real bad stuff but that will be next week so there's there's love and thunder i think you know not quite... We're not, like, complete... I feel like we tore Moon Knight apart more than this, but, like, we agree this is real bad. Big, big maybe pile for Christian or big middle of the pack for... Or, like, that second tier of villain for... for for draw, i think and... we were just i think
1: both of them are things that are adapting things that we really really like yeah but like <laughs> i the, the thing moon knight feels like it's a like a cascading level of mistakes whereas Thor: love and thunder just feels like taika's mm. wrong for this role and it should have been two movies mm. and you're kind of done at that yeah. point like you can't pick it apart more than that it's just <laughs> yeah. like those are two two things that should have been in their oh. heads
0: moon knight made me angry this made me disappointed <laughs> yeah anyway there's your episode and as i said next week it will be she hulk until then thank you everyone for listening thank you ben for your time and of course excelsior
1: excelsior